Romans chapter 14. Here we go. You ready? Come on, come on. Hey, let me, let me make something very, very clear. What you receive today is not based on what I say, but what you're willing to receive. In, in other words, sermons are always subject to the hearer, not the speaker. You can, you can get something great and do nothing with it. You can get something very, very bad, make application and do something with it, right? But it's, at the end of the day, it's going to be what are you willing to receive? What are you willing to download from today? So are you ready to receive something today? Okay, here we go. Romans 14, 1 through 4. As if Paul wasn't clear enough last week, he says, accept the ones whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. Another translation says, without fighting over opinions. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Why are we accepting? Why are we not judgmental over non-essential issues? Because God has accepted them. So who are we to reject what God has accepted? That's his next Verse four, verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Who are you to cast judgment on someone else who's following Jesus? He says, to their own master's servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase in the message of this chapter. He says, Romans 14, verse 1 Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith, remember they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. We are in a season right now in life uh, where Anna is pregnant and it is don't judge me, okay? That's what we hear. We, we will decide to eat healthy and we'll make this commitment, hey, we've got to dial things back, we've got to start eating healthy, we've got to take care of ourselves and we'll move into this eating healthy and then I'll come home after work and there'll be a Taco Bell bag in the trash and I'll look over there and I'll take it and I'll say, hey, hey, babe, what's this right here? And she'll say, I'm pregnant, don't judge me. Or we'll eat a healthy meal, right? And we'll have this nice, wonderful, healthy, lean, low-carb, high-protein dinner that she's made, and we'll eat it up, and then afterwards, I'm like, man, I'm feeling really good. And then she'll walk over to the secret cabinet that we have hidden from the kids, and she'll open that cabinet, and she'll pull out the Little Debbie zebra cakes. Oh, man. Are those things the jam or what? And I'll see her, and you know, they're in packages of two, so you, you do one package, but you got two there. She opens it up, and she's taking it out, and I'll look at her, and she'll say, don't judge me, right? 
How about my friend who uh, was driving us to the deer camp and he was talking the whole time about how uh, he has to kill deer because he needs the organic grass-fed, no GMO corn-fed deer meat and how it's so healthy for him. And then as we're almost there, he's like, oh man, let's pull off at at, at, uh, Whataburger real quick. And we got like five taquitos and we're sitting there eating taquitos and soybean sausage. And he's sitting here telling me about how we have to have all this organic meat. And I said, "I I thought you needed all this organic meat to stay healthy. And he said... Don't judge me. Or maybe you're like me. In my office, uh, I have a, it's a fire TV that I project my computer onto. And so that, that Amazon account is connected to my kids' Amazon fire sticks in their rooms, right? So all of my recently watched shows are Doc McStuffins, Bubble Guppies, and Frozen. So I'm in my office the other day and I turn on my TV because I'm going to project my screen up there. And I've got a couple guys in there with me and they looked and they were like, oh, you've been enjoying Frozen in your spare time, right? And I said, it's my kids. Don't judge me. Or maybe you're like someone I know, won't say any names, but their Spotify rap came back. And their number two most listened to song, number two most listened to is this incredible art creative song called Life Giver, right? But the number one was Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) And the conversation, and I was like, What is this? And they said, don't judge me. Or maybe you're living in Romans chapter 14 and there are people who are coming to you about diets, days, and drinking. Those are the three big things uh, during this time and that you'll read throughout Romans chapter 14. You'll see maybe they're coming and they're saying, your diet shouldn't include non-kosher food. Why on earth are you eating those things? Why are you doing that? Or they'll come to you and they'll say, "Uh, hey, you, you should be worshiping on those days. Do you think some people think some days are more holy than others? I know they do. I got your emails on Christmas Day and January 1st. Can't believe we're not having church in person, right? Those are the Lord's days. Those are holy days. There are some people who think some days are more holy than other days. What about alcohol and drinking? Some people think that if someone takes a sip of alcohol, they're sinning, they're rebellious, they're an alcoholic, they've got all of these problems, and they're all of these non-essential things that we begin judging and not accepting each other about. And here is Paul's message for Romans chapter 14. Don't don't judge me. Let's try it one more time. Don't. Paul's saying, don't judge me. Don't judge a fellow brother. Don't judge a fellow believer. Don't heap judgment on non-essential things. 99% of the things I hear Christians fighting about are non-essential. In fact, here Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, he gives us clarity on what is essential. In fact, he's doing a similar argument, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, leading up to the resurrection and speaking about the resurrection. And here's what he says to the Corinthians. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's essential. He's saying, I'm giving you, in essence, what is most important, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. Let me tell you, if you and I are straight on the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus, atonement of Jesus for our sins and salvation through Christ alone, triune God, we're on the same page, man. We, are, we have the essentials in agreement. So 
anything else that you have these beliefs, thoughts, or followings about, we can work through those without me judging you or you not accepting me. In other words, Paul, we're talking today, everything today is about non-essentials, the non-essential doctrines or thoughts or beliefs or practices within our faith. That's everything. We're not talking about essential things. And we're not talking about essential oils, Breeze, wherever you are. Man, I don't know what it is, essential oils. It's like Jesus and essential oils heal everything, right? <laughs> Other day, we ha- I was burning a candle in our house, and Anna walked in and said, what are you doing? I was like, I don't know. I'm trying to make it smell good in here. It smells like a bunch of kids. And she was like, no, you're putting toxins into the air, and, and the kids are breathing all these toxins. Gets out this diffuser, this distilled oil, and then she's just like, oh, lavender. It's so good, it relaxes my soul, right? No, 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 we're, we're not, not even, not even essential oils are essential. We are talking about the non-essential things. And here's the most important thing. The most important thing, if you hear anything today, it's this, don't divide over non-essential things. As the body of Christ, do not divide over what is non-essential. Now think about the thing that you're mad at a Christian brother or sister about or that you're on different pages with a Christian brother or sister about. Have you divided or broken fellowship over something that is non-essential? Here's how Paul flows in Romans chapter 14. First six verses is just his meat meaty message, right? It's his three points. He makes it crystal clear. The rest of the chapter are kind of sub points and elaborations on what he teaches. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to rip through all of his sub points from Romans 7 all the way to the end of the chapter. And at the end, I'll give you Paul's bulk message about not judging other people. So I think these sub points are going to help kind of align where we're headed. So I'm going to rifle through these. It starts in Romans 14, 7 through 8. He says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Paul's sub point when he talks about not judging other believers is this. He's just saying, can we just live for God? Can we just live for the Lord and not live for ourselves or not live for our own selfish understandings or our own desires that we have? He's saying, listen, if it's, if it's most important, just live for the Lord and let it be for the Lord. The late Jack Hayford just passed away. I graduated from the King's University for my master's degree, and there was all of this stuff they were sending out. They were talking about Jack Hayford, and, and one person said the best advice they ever got from Jack Hayford, he, uh, they asked him what his secret sauce was. They said, Jack, what is the secret sauce to being an Apostle Paul to a generation? And he said, my secret sauce is simple. I learned to make decisions against myself. He said, I learned to make decisions against myself. I didn't want to get up and read, but I decided against myself and I got up and read. I didn't want to be gracious, but I decided against myself to be gracious. I did, I wanted to look at that, but I decided against myself and didn't look at it. what Paul is saying here. He's saying, listen, when it comes to non-essential things, can you just decide against yourself? Can you, what is it about us that wants so badly to 
post about that on social media or screenshot it and text it out to all of our friends and tell them how off the rails this person is or, or how upset we are about something that is so non-essential. We see it and we want to comment on it. Oh, that is me. It drives me crazy. I see some of the stupidest stuff in the world on social media and I just in fact I'll like write my response to it you know and then I'll text it to Anna and I'll be what do you think about this and she said honey you're right now delete it don't post it in other words can you decide against yourself and just love the Lord all right next next sub point Romans 14 verse 13 he says therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. In other words, Paul's saying, don't be a stumbling block, be a building block. We should be people who are helping others build their foundation in Christ, not tearing their foundation down every time. He goes on to describe what a building block looks like, or a stumbling block, rather. Romans 14, 14 through 16, he says, I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Now, there was Jewish custom of the day. You had to eat meat that was kosher. It couldn't be cooked before idols. There was a whole litany. You couldn't eat pork. There was a litany of things that could not be participated in. And Paul is saying, I am convinced through the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Can you say no for the sake of another brother? It may be your Christian liberty to have a glass of wine, but if your brother or sister in Christ struggles with it, can you say no to it? Or are you just, nope, that's my right. That's, I, that's, that's my opportunity, that's my liberty and freedom in Christ, and I will exercise my right. That's great, but can you decide against yourself? What is it about us that has to constantly argue for our own points? Do you know how many times I've had a college student come to me with something totally off the rails theologically? I had this, I love this young girl. She was such a precious soul years and years back. I think she's in San Antonio now, still following Jesus. Keep up with her on social media. And she came to me one Sunday morning and she said, Pastor Luke, I love our church. Uh, before this, I was an atheist. I've gotten saved now and I've given my heart to Jesus. And I was reading my Bible the other day and then I checked my Zodiac sign and my Zodiac sign said the exact same thing that my Bible said. And I thought it was so cool like that, that the Zodiac and the Bible were, were speaking to me like, like this and she said so I can't wait till next month to see what the zodiac sign says and then I'm going to read my scripture and my bible now listen I, I could have done one of two things I, I could have crushed her you know I, oh man you're reading zodiac sign is mysticism you're going straight to hell if you follow that stuff right <laughs> or I could have said that's so precious I love your heart for Jesus I'm so glad that you've gotten saved and I love that you're in God's word and I love that he uses things, even a zodiac sign, to confirm his scriptures to you. Stay close to the Lord, sweetheart, and let me know what the sign says next month and we'll talk about the Bible. <laughs> right? But I mean, can, can we not do that? What is it about us that would rather be a stumbling block than a building block? I'll tell you what it is, it's pride. That we would rather be right and tear somebody down 
than be wrong or be quiet and build the kingdom. We would rather, oh, I'm going to post about that. Oh, I'm going to text them about that. Oh, I'm going to tell them about that. Oh, they're going to that college ministry that speaks in tongues. I'm going to tell them how that's demonic and they're going to hell. Or I can't go to that place. They don't believe in the charismatic gifts. They don't stand for the charismatic. And we, and we get so wound up about being a stumbling block, having a new believer, passionate about Jesus, walking into charismatic expression, and someone's going to say to them, oh, no, you're headed down the wrong path there, dear brother. And just totally break down what God's building up. Why? Paul says, don't be a stumbling block. Be a building block when it comes to non-essentials. All right, three more, and then we're there. Romans 14, 17 through 18. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Take whatever it is for you. That, that time it was diets, days, and drinking. Paul's saying, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is not about your opinion on tattoos. The kingdom of God is not about your opinion on what the pastor's wearing today. You want to hear something funny? Uh, I'm dressed, I, I didn't even plan this, black on black with my hair slicked back. That's what my son always says about me. He just makes fun of me about it. But I had this, this mom who was trying to get her 16-year-old kid to come to church, and she finally got him to come to church, and that morning he was wearing all black. He was, he was dressed in all black, and she said, no, honey, you cannot wear all black to church. What on earth are you thinking? You're going to look like the devil, right? We're going to a place of light. You're going to look like the devil. You cannot wear all black to church. So then he changed she brings him, drags him all the way to the front row, sits down in the front row, and she said, and then my pastor walks out, and he is dressed in black, head to toe. And she said, my 16-year-old son got saved that Sunday morning. She said, wear black anytime you want. But what is it about us that we have these little non-essential judgments? Paul says, it's not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of what you wear, how long your hair is, or how short your clothes are but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So Paul says, know what's kingdom and what's counterfeit. Know what is, what is kingdom living and know what is trying to distract you and pull you away. All right, Romans, 9, Romans 14, verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to lead to peace and to mutual edification. So Paul says, listen, instead of being judgmental and non-accepting, we should be peacemakers. We should be the ones who are making peace, not causing conflict. We should be the ones who are not stirring the pot and getting everybody wound up. We should be the peace that steps into a situation. And then lastly, says Romans 14, 22, so whatever you believe about these things, my hope is that I will find your judgment this morning. We're gonna keep on talking about it. Whatever it is you believe about your non-essential judgment of somebody else who's following Jesus, he says, keep thing, he says about these things, keep between yourself and God. Do you know how to shut your mouth as a believer in Jesus? Here's what I've noticed. Mature people in the Lord know how to shut their mouth. They know when it's time to speak up. They know when it's time to be gracious. They know what's essential. They know what's non-essential. Immature people say everything all the time. Go to Facebook. It's everywhere, right? It's everywhere. It's, there is a maturity. In fact, listen to Solomon, Proverbs 17, 27. 
A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. You may not be very smart in here. You know how you can be smarter? Learn to keep your mouth shut. Learn when not to insert your opinion into everything. Learn when not to judge everything. Learn when not to reject everyone for everything. If you'll just learn to be discerning on what is essential and what is non-essential and know how to close your mouth, you will be seen as wise. You will build the kingdom. Okay, that was the warm-up points. Are you ready for the message now? Are you ready to receive? Okay, 15 minutes, we're in. Romans 14, one through six, here's the message. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Verse five, one person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. Three things, here they are. Number one, start accepting. Number two, stop judging. Number three, be fully convinced. Number one, start accepting. Number two, stop judging. And number three, be fully convinced. It's interesting in this passage that the weak ones were the ones who were trying to enforce all the rules. Isn't it interesting that the weaker brother who's described as the one who's running around saying, no, 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 you're not allowed to do that. It's over PG-13 movie. You shouldn't be going to that. Oh, you shouldn't be listening to that. You shouldn't be doing those things. You better stop that, right? It's the, it's the weaker brother who's trying to enforce all the rules, and it's the stronger brother who is dismissive of them, who is not gracious to them who's not willing to live beyond themselves and to love them as Christ would. Okay, here we go. Number one, start accepting. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. There you have it, vegetarians are weak. I, no, I'm just kidding. Where's my brother? Where's Arnold Washington? Arnold, yes, my brother Arnold is a vegetarian, and you're a strong man. You're one of my favorite worshipers in this place. But that's a great example, right? Hey, listen, I love vegetarians. It means there's more meat at the table when they're done, right? And I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. But Arnold and I, we've, we've talked about this before, and I knew, right, when I said that, I knew he was a vegetarian. I've never come to him and said, you know, Paul says he's persuaded that every meat is clean in and of itself, right? I've never done that, I don't need to do that. He's never come to me and he's never presented his case of why he th he's a vegetarian. No, I just, I love him, he loves me, we accept one another, we walk together in the kingdom of God. Why, that's how you're supposed to do it. Not everything has to be a fight. Not everything has to be an argument. 
So we start accepting one another. Early on, uh, when Anna and I first met, um, and then we started dating, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? We started dating, and then uh, even into our marriage, drinking became a really big deal. Now, neither one of us were, over, were drinking too much or anything like that. I was raised um, partially, and then he was out of my life and then passed away all because of alcohol. My father, uh, my whole childhood was destroyed because of alcoholism. I didn't have a dad around. I went to father-son banquets with my buddy's dad and everything else because alcoholism had, had plagued my my father. So I had very strong opinions about alcohol. I was the weaker brother. I, I was very weak in this area. I was very sensitive to this area. I was very condemning to people who did drink. I was, I was very, very legalistic in this area. I was very weak in this area. Anna, on the other hand, was strong in this area. And Anna, when we first met, we started dating and even into our marriage, she, she would love to have a glass of wine at dinner. She'd love to have, I'm telling on her, right? All, all you know, whoa, she would drink margaritas at a Mexican restaurant, right? Like, she would. And, and I would heap so much judgment and condemnation on her. I would get so mad, and I was projecting that fear. I was projecting that hurt. I was projecting that worry of she may become my dad, and she may walk out, and she may leave me, and I'm heaping all of that on her when that wasn't the case because I was the weaker brother. So what I remember one time, you went out with some girlfriends to a Mexican restaurant, and you didn't even order a margarita. One of your friends ordered a margarita, and you took one sip, but when she came home, I smelled alcohol in her breath, and I, I lost it. I was like, oh, you've been out drinking. I know what you've been doing. She's like, Luke, look at me. I'm fine. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I can smell it on your breath. Right? Like, I, I was the weaker brother here. Fast forward 10, 12, any other 12 years. Fast forward 12 years later, I've gotten a lot stronger in this area. I've, I've allowed the Lord to help me grow spiritually, to help me heal from past wounds, to strengthen me. And now uh, we're, we're on the same page when it comes to alcohol. She can have a drink of wine. She can have a glass of wine if she wants to. We were out for our anniversary and they gave us complimentary champagne. I even had a sip with her, right? <laughs> like I've just, there's just a, a liberty that has now come, but you know what, what, is, what else has happened? And this is, the real, this is the real hero of the story, right? That I've, I've grown up here, I've gotten out of my weakness, and I've learned to be more accepting. And remember, the weak try to police the rules, the strong are the ones who are liberated in Christ. And I've, I've grown in liberty here, and Anna came to me about a year ago, and she said, babe, I, I think I'm gonna stop drinking. And I said, okay. You don't, I mean, you don't have a problem here. You drink a glass of wine maybe once every two months at a dinner or something. Like, it's not a big deal. And she said, no, no, no. She said, you know, I've just, I feel like for so long I fought for my freedom to do that. That was our dance back and forth. Well, I'm free in Christ to have a drink, and I'm not drunk, and I'm not doing this in excess or anything else. And I'm saying, you're an alcoholic. You're, on, you're, one, you're one margarita away from imploding this whole thing, right? Like, he's just, just going crazy, right? And so I grew up, and she came. She said, you know what? Um, I'm just going to lay it down, and I, I don't need to. She said, I know I have the freedom. And by the way, it's only a freedom if you can say no as well as you can say yes. Listen to me, it is only a freedom if you can say no to it as easily as you can say yes. But if all you can say is yes to it, it's not a freedom, it's an entrapment. 
It's slavery. So she says, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let this go. Should I have friends who struggle with this? I just, I don't see the enjoyment in it. I can have a great time with a glass of water as well as I can with a glass of wine. I'm just not gonna do it anymore. And what has happened is she, as the stronger person, has, has become more sensitive to the weak. And me, as the weaker person, has gotten stronger and become more free and more liberated in Christ. That's exactly what Paul is preaching to the body. Start accepting one another, especially when it comes to these non-essential things, from speaking in tongues to what kind of clothes you wear to whether or not you take a sip of alcohol or whatever it may be. He's saying start accepting one another. And if you're strong in this, we'll be gracious to the weak. And if you weaken this, we'll grow stronger. You will come together stronger than you've ever been before. I think we're stronger than we've ever been before in that area because you've been strong and gracious and I've been weak and grown up in maturity in Christ. Okay, first one, start accepting. Number two, all right, here we go, stop judging. This is one, we have got to start accepting one another. Number two, we have got to quit judging one another. Romans 14, three through four. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. That is the final word. You disagree with someone on a non-essential issue, God has accepted them, so you're not better than them. You have no cause to judge them. You have no cause to tear them down. You have no cause to be a stumbling block. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servant stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them Stand. I made a list of some of the judgments I've heard even recently. Uh, what movies do you go to? Why were you listening to that kind of music? Why are you friends with that person? I saw their social media. They had a woman teach in church. He speaks in tongues. She's wearing a Biden mask. He's got a red cap on. They drink alcohol. He smells like cigarettes. Her clothes were too short. They've got facial hair. Did you see all of his tattoos and all of these things on and on and on that we create kingdom dividers about when we should be coming together. I had someone, and I wore them for you today, who came to me and said, hey, preacher, you need me put a little more money in the offering bucket so you can get you some britches without holes in them? <laughs> Do you think I said to him, well, brother, Samuel says, God, or man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. God knows my heart. You're wrong, not me. I'm good. No, I laughed. I was like, okay. You want to wear khakis and a Hawaiian shirt to church? Great. You want to wear goose skin boots, starch jeans, a pearl snap, and a cowboy hat? You do you, boo. But just, I mean, don't, what, what, why do we have to create such an ordeal about this? Stop judging each other. Stop judging each other. Based on, she's got purple hair. They've got gray hair. I got all that. I didn't mean that good. Who cares? If it's not essential, don't divide over it. If it's not essential, don't divide over it. Don't break fellowship over it. Don't wreck your relationships for it. If it's not essential, don't divide. And then we finish here with being convinced. 
I love how Paul wraps this up. He says, Romans 14, 5 through 6. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God to God. I love what Paul says. He says, look, if you are going to have, and remember, remember at the very end in Romans 14, I think it was 22, he says, know when to keep your mouth shut. Know when these things are to just rest between you and the Lord. But at the same time, if you have these convictions that are non-essential, please be fully convinced before the Lord that you're where you need to be. Be fully convinced before the Lord that this, I, I love what Tim Keller says. He says, can, he asks these three questions when it comes to this chapter. Can I do this before Christ? Can I do it with an eye upon him? And can I do it in his name, thanking him for it? In other words, can I be fully convinced that I could do it? I tell people this all the time. Would you say it from stage? Would you wear it on stage? Or would you want me to show a picture of it on here? If not, get it off your social media. If not, quit sending it out and texting it to other people. If not, don't wear it in public. Like, I mean, it's that simple. Just be fully convinced before the Lord, not before your friends, not in your own flesh, not in your own confidence, but be fully convinced in the Lord. A week or two ago, I don't remember when it was, I had to go to Austin for a day. I was there for meetings, came back the next day, and as I was leaving, uh, I gave Anna a credit card. We have, we have a credit card for emergencies. Something catastrophic happens, swipe the card, and then we'll pay it off at the end of the month, right? So uh, I gave her my credit card, and I set it right on the counter as I was leaving, and I was like, hey, I'm taking care of you. You know, here's the emergency card in case you have anything. I leave, come back the next day, and the card's not on the counter. So I say to Anna, I said, uh, hey, where, where's my card? I got to put it back where it goes, so I always know where it's at. And she said, oh, it's on the counter. I said, no, it's not. What'd you do with it? And she said, honey, I didn't touch it. And I said, you say that every time. I'm kind of OCD about things like this. I was like, you say that all the time, but it's gone. And I just got back home one hour ago. Where's the car? I said, Luke, I don't know. Maybe the kids did something. I said, you always blame the kids. You always say it was the kids' fault. Where's the card? I know you have it. You spent something, didn't you? You bought something you don't want me to know about. Where is it? And I was, I was convinced that she took this card and did something with it. I was marching around the house angry. I was like, now it's going to take me 14 days and I'm going to have to get a replacement card. And I know that you took this and you bought Chick-fil-A for the kids with it. And you went out and bought went shopping a new Lululemon with it. And I, I know when I checked that statement, I'm going to be so upset. I was so convinced that she did something with it. So I leave, and as, I, as I'm leaving, five minutes in, I get a text message on my phone, and it's a picture of the card. I text her back, where'd you find it? What did you do with it? She texts me back, and she said, it was on the floor of our closet. And right when she said that, it was like those movies where you like flash back and you see everything as it happened that you had completely forgot. 
And I remember walking into the house right when I got home from Austin and I saw my card and I grabbed it and I put it in my back pocket so I wouldn't lose it. And then I went and I changed my clothes and I was hanging my jeans. I can remember the sound. It's a titanium little card and it fell out and it landed on the floor in the closet. And I was like, oh, I'm in a hurry. I'll get it in a minute. I put it away. I changed and I left and I saw all of this happening and I realized it was me. I don't know, if, have I apologized to you for that yet? I haven't? She looks at me and she goes, let me show you how a veteran does this. Done this a million times, right? Honey, the Lord has brought to my attention that I royally overreacted when it came to the credit card. I acknowledge my sin. In fact, it grieves my heart that I was so harsh and rude to you. I repent, would you please forgive me? Of course, there you go. It's done, right? Here's what's scary. Can I come back to the bedroom now? I'm off the couch. No, here's what's scary. What's scary is I was fully convinced. Here's what's scary. You can become convinced of the wrong things and destroy the kingdom because of it. You can wreck relationships. You can divide ministries. You can cause so much chaos over non-essential things that you are fully convinced about. So in the words of Paul, Paul is saying, those opinions that you hold dear, those convictions that you have, can you take them? Can you put them as an offering before the Lord and say, Lord, Am I fully convinced of this? Is this you? Is this something I should dig my heels in on? Is this something that I should take to the grave? Is this something I should break fellowship about? And if it's not, give me the liberty to be gracious or give me the strength to overcome my own judgments.